Hi, this is Kelly Nordstrom from The Molecule. Thanks for listening. You're at Michael's Record Collection. Hey everybody, welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. I'm your host, Michael Citro. This is episode number 97, and joining me for this episode is Kelly Nordstrom, guitar player, bass player, vocalist, keyboard player, you name it, he does it. He is half of a brand new duo called E-Molecule, brand new album called The Architect comes out on Inside Out Music February 10th. Kelly and vocalist and drummer Simon Collins, yes, the son of Phil Collins, have teamed up. Now, these two guys have worked before on Simon's solo albums, a fantastic cover of the Genesis track, Keep It Dark, and of course, in Sound of Contact. But now, they are a duo, put together a great new concept album called The Architect, and I spoke with Kelly about it. Can't wait to bring you that interview. Before we get to that, just a quick reminder, please visit michaelsrecordcollection.com. Links to everything are there. Everything. You can link to everything. You can sign up for my free newsletter. You can check out my Patreon and find the different levels of support. For as little as $2 a month, you can support this independent endeavor. Other than that, there are links there to all my social media accounts, including Twitter, where I am at Mike's Records, and Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and TikTok, where I am Michael's Record Collection. I'd also like to hear from you, so drop me an email at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. Be happy to answer any questions you have. Let me know how I'm doing. Give me some feedback or just say hello. Let me know where in the world you are listening to this program from. All right, without any further ado, let's get to that interview with Kelly Nordstrom. I talked to him from his home in Vancouver. Here we go. Hello again, everybody. Time once again for Michael's Record Collection. I'm very honored to be joined today by half of a a new duo called E-Molecule. Kelly Nordstrom. Kelly, thanks for your time today. Oh, Michael, it's my pleasure to be here. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. You and Simon Collins, who uh, folks uh, around the world may know, may have heard of his dad, Phil. Uh, you guys uh, have come together and you've worked together many times in the past, but your new duo, E-Molecule, has an album coming out February 10th called The Architect. And uh, this is a pretty fascinating record. It's got a little bit of everything in it, electronica, it's got rock, it's got progressive elements. There's a lot of different flavors to this. And I'm going to dive right in. I'm going to ask you some other questions that aren't related to the record in a minute. But can you just maybe walk me through sort of the concept of E-Molecule in general, how you sort of came together and and decided to to make this specific style of music and the architect uh, conceptually as as a record? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, this project, I think, really uh, spawns from a desire to find and express our true selves in an authentic way uh, and an honest way. And through our lifetimes, we've uh, gone through many things. And, uh, and when we came together almost 20 years ago, we became quite close as, as friends, uh, as well as uh, musical collaborators. And that camaraderie and bond formed uh, a relationship, which was also a vehicle for us to figure out who we were as human beings on this planet. And the project in Molecule 
uh, is a culmination of these life experiences and, and many of the uh, things that we've done. And also the uh, best of vehicles so far, at least for myself, I can, I can say, uh, to be a fully authentic as a musician, as, a, as an artist, and to explore um, what uh, life's all about. The concept for this particular album uh, is also right along those lines. In a general sense, I refer to the concept as a story of darkness to light, uh, good over, over evil, uh, the, uh, an expression of the, the, the great story that uh, comes from our past uh, that's been told from generation to generation. So not necessarily an original thing, but our effort to uh, express that story uh, as honestly through our own experiences as possible. So we did create a, a character to do this mm -hmm. and uh, uh, described a character who came to power and uh, came to corruption and uh, succumbed to the desires of the flesh. And through this process, lived dangerously and flew too close to the sun and was given a terminal diagnosis um, as a result of his behavior and experimentation. And so this change in circumstance spawns the uh, spiritual transformation which occurs and we explore uh, through the second half and ending of the album. Yeah, it's a, and it's interesting because you both sing on this record and is that sort of the dark versus the light thing or is it just kind of depending on, on what you guys think sounds better in the, in the recording studio? Well, Simon was always primarily the, the singer and the main face for the characters and the different sides of the character. But as we got into it, we began to experiment with using my spoken word as his inner dialogue the inner conflicts and, and expressions, uh, which in some cases, you know, were uh, some of the darker things. That was the role that uh, the spoken word ended up playing, I believe, in the in the storyline in terms of the, the quotations. Okay. So one of the things that I like to ask anybody that I have on the show is I kind of want to get a, a sense of where you started. So what was your first favorite record that you, that you really fell in love with? Well, I'd have to say uh, Iron Maiden's Worldwide Live for me. That's where I discovered driving guitars and just driving music with, uh, you know, featuring, uh, harmonizing, dueling guitars. And uh, that really just got me excited about my own uh, musical journey and uh, interested uh, in the guitar itself. So that's... Uh, it was also now I realize uh, an example of very progressive music writing as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that along with the sound of the crowd, that it was a live album. So a live double album. So there's so, so much for me to sink, sink my teeth into. And also the experience of, of the crowd uh, in the recording also Leptnit had an impact on me as well. And the, the energy that was created in those rooms uh, for those recordings inspired me to want to connect with people and my music. Okay, good. That's uh, that's an interesting, I wouldn't have expected that, but that's, that's a, an interesting first one. Um, you guys, you and Simon, 
along with Dave Kersner and Matt Dorsey. You put out a terrific album as Sound of Contact in 2013. And that that was, I think that was my favorite album of that year. formation of that group and and then you know ultimately why things kind of fell apart and 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 we only got the one record sure simon and i were working on and um things for you catastrophe uh and uh, actually living together at the time and starting to experiment with uh with different writing ideas and uh i was always kind of working on uh poetry and, and working on riffs and stuff like that not necessarily together or as a collaboration but just in general and and the fact we're uh, living together of course we're quite close and and sharing each other's ideas at the time i was working more uh, like kind of full-time uh supporting him in his solo career and uh helping manage things as well as uh collaborating on, on his on his solo recordings and you catastrophe for example and uh one day uh i was reading a, a sci-fi book that came across this word dimension odd and it's like wow this what a cool word and and uh so from there we started talking about ideas surrounding that and and how cool the storyline uh with the dimensional traveler would be and so that was really the the first inception of sound contact it was really more a dimension odd theme at that time mm-hmm. Well, before we even got to talking about who we might collaborate with, uh, we we did start writing some material. But uh, he um, was uh, expressed an interest in working with a, a dedicated keyboard synth specialist, mm-hmm. and uh, so Dave Kersner's name came up. And I hadn't met him, but uh, it was, I was uh, trusting Simon's judgment on things, and so we actually. Uh, originally collaborated with Dave for the first time on a single, which was a cover of Keep, Keep It Dark. Dark. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so a that fantastic was, cover. That was that was where I first became aware of Simon as an artist, actually. Oh, right on, yeah.
was my first uh, meeting and introduction to working with with Dave as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, uh, Sound of Contact was born out of that. Those those people coming together and uh, made most of the record in that configuration. Uh, Matt Dorsey came along to uh, assist with things as I was uh, taking my leave uh, for personal reasons at the time. I had my hands full of various various capacities and uh, just wasn't the right time for me to be able to follow through with that, mm-hmm. unfortunately. In retrospect, I probably would have made di- different decisions. Mm-hmm. And if I perhaps had certain conversations with certain people, things might have changed uh, and turned out differently, but it was what it was. So they continued on, um, and uh, well, uh, they they toured without me, and uh, and uh, eventually the the band stopped for reasons I wasn't really a part of, so I can't really comment on. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that was just. Um, it's interesting you say you would have made different decisions because I, like I said, it's just one. It was my favorite release that year, and and it was uh, it was really well done. Were, were you looking to take it in a different direction in terms of? Um, instrumentation or you know what kind of ideas did you have that that they kind of deviated well, from well without getting into it too much i think uh the the dynamic certainly changed uh when it went from simon and i you know brainstorming broader concepts to things becoming more refined mm-hmm. and uh, so that did change things in a way that i not sure was entirely comfortable but uh you know, ultimately, the reasons for me leaving were um, outside of the the band, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, I guess, with the, some different perspectives, I may have, uh, you know, decided to try and handle the situation differently. So. Okay. Now, you catastrophe. You've mentioned that a couple times. That happens to be my favorite Simon solo album. You're first album collaboration you had with Simon? Uh, Full, yes. That was the first full record I had a chance to uh, work with him on, for him on. Uh, There was a little bit of of co-writing on that, um, which was fantastic for me to, you know, get my, you know, start uh, getting more involved. So, but yeah, that was, that was really the first one in it. And uh, working with uh, Kevin Churko on that was a real treat as well. What an amazing producer he was. And uh, that, that album went on to get, uh, win a Juno uh, here in Canada for uh, best engineered album of that 
that year. So it was a real, uh, real honor to be a part of that. Yeah. One of the tracks that sticks out when you mentioned engineering uh, is um, I'm not sure if you're pronouncing it eco or echo, but I, that's my favorite track on the album actually. Yeah. That's a cool, very cool track. We did end up playing that album, uh, the, that album live quite a bit and uh, had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Uh, I definitely recommend checking that one out. Now getting back to E-Molecule, when you and Simon write, how do the two of you write? What's the process or is there more than one way you do it? There's more than one way. Certainly uh, we're very good at, at uh, realizing and collaborating with other there are each other's ideas that have been started and uh, helping determine where it could go and and arranging things together. So sometimes it, it, it happens with um, the initial idea coming from one. Usually it's usually it's a strong theme, whatever that might be. Usually a strong melody with some chord changes, uh, or maybe it's a, it can be like standalone riffs that you know that. Uh, whatever it might be there's there's lots of different types of themes that can emerge uh and then we collaborate and go from there uh, but we also spend some time improvising together as well recording improvised sessions and going through that uh to harvest uh good material and so the songs like the turn are a good example of uh, uh, a song that came from a improvisation uh, and that we uh, then went back and uh, built an arrangement out of those ideas. Mm. And uh, another example is uh, Immolecule, which was largely uh, arranged and had a demo recording of it um, already quite quite well put together. Uh, and Simon helped take that to the next level, uh, along with Robbie Bronneman, who we worked with at, at the time uh, during the beginning uh, phases of making the album. And so that there was collaboration on that in the end as well, which really took it to the next level. Songs like Time for Truth were very true collaborations where an idea started, I think, but with by Simon and he like was playing on the keyboard and I literally kind of nudged him over and, and kept playing from that like chord progression he had into one that was like an adaptation and we shared the vocal duties on that one as well. So. Yeah, there's really no one particular form, but I think what makes us successful as collaborator and uh, collaborators and a duo is how respectful we are to allowing things to go in the most ideal direction uh, we can for the music without uh, a personal agenda. We we just like to try and make the the song or this piece of music or or this concept album the best that we can mm -hmm. and uh, we're open to each other's ideas the child in me he could never be deceived but the man he couldn't help but dream i was led to believe I could control everything But in the end I have nothing But my disease It will take everything But now I clearly see Who we're meant to be It will take everything 
did you start with the story and then start writing music or did the music come and then the story or did it kind of happen all at the same time? It was a, again, a combination. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, there's, there's a, a lot, there's always a lot of music floating around. So it's like, that's kind of a given. The song in Molecule actually was uh, spawned from the sessions on Becoming Human. Hmm. Uh, where um, I was uh, in, in England there working with Robbie Bronneman and Simon on uh, tracking those uh, guitars and uh, had some downtime and started uh, just producing this piece, which turned out to be a molecule. I basically did it in my, my uh, bedroom where I was staying there. And uh, that was uh, a strong enough demo. It, it uh, came back you know, years later to be the catalyst for uh, coming together as a duo. So there was music already, but what actually solidified the album uh, was, and the band actually was uh, the concept in a way, because mm -hmm. it started to, it, even though at the time uh, in 2020, I'd uh, come over to Ireland to spend time with Simon uh, working on uh, another solo album. That was the premise of the trip through are just where we were at as artists and people at the time, uh, how much music we had around and the strength of the song molecule, uh, we decided that our, we wanted to do something that was a more of a band duo feel. Mm -hmm. And from there, we set out to write the concept. So at the moment in molecule was born, we began writing the concept. Got it. Well, it's interesting that you brought that song up in particular because that's what spawned the question because it's a it's an almost eleven minute long song, but it very few lyrics in it. Doesn't doesn't it doesn't seem sparse lyrically, but when you go and you read the lyric sheet, you go, there's not very many words in this song. It's true, uh, and I generally, personally, generally write that way and, and hear and experience music that way as more of an instrumentalist. Uh, just, just a natural thing. I always hear music, and so that's generally how my music is written, is instrumentally first. So it was essentially an instrumental song, but I also wanted to introduce this idea of chanting and fuse this idea of, uh, of almost like a Gregorian chant sort of approach to the vocals uh, harmonized. And therefore, it wasn't really about uh, delivering a, a, a long, sophisticated lyrical concept as a strong idea that uh, was repeatable 
All right. So the lineup is just you and Simon. Uh, Simon handles vocals, drums, uh, keys, sound design, and programming. You uh, handle guitars, bass, vocals, keys, and sound design and programming. Uh, was there ever a discussion of, of bringing someone else in, or was it always just going to be the two of you? It was always going to be the two of us. Uh, I believe that's the that's the uh, a kind of a commitment at this point to work that way. I, I, that being said, uh, I suppose you never know, but I think that this is the the style of of writing and 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 the lifestyle of being a, an artist that uh, we're both wanting to pursue at this point. He's of course, uh, I'm sure, going to do more solo material and and uh, and I may as well, I suppose. But that's it. Um, well, for the first time. But uh, I I I personally like. The fact that it's too i like the dynamics of of energy and uh and because we can cover things instrumentally uh and vocally uh between us uh, i don't see us really necessarily um, reaching out for any reason uh, with with the project and molecule there could be some offshoot that uh, could be a, a collaboration i'm sure but uh, if a molecule feels like a duo okay the reason I ask that is because, you know, I think typically when you when you set out to write a record, you you might have some plan that at some point you might want to play some of those songs live. And is the is the discussion held at that point or do you not worry about it and and cross that bridge, you know, if and when you get to it? It is across that bridge if and when. Uh, but uh, we do have players lined up to to play with us live. So we're we're. Uh, certainly hoping that that opportunity comes along. Uh, but I think uh, the context would be that we will uh, we'll, we'll put together a group, whatever we, it takes to perform it live. But as a recording production duo, uh, we'll stay as just the two of us. Okay. And you have a good model for that because, uh, you know, Phil, Mike and Tony did the Genesis thing and then they had people waiting in the wings to go out on tour with them to, to fill out the sound live. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these songs. The first track that you worked on was E Molecule. It's the first song on the album. It was the first single, which I don't know how much you guys put into that, how much of that is just an inside out music decision, but it's very strange to have a 10 minute and 43 second single. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that is something that we were comfortable with, uh, but quite honestly, uh, Thomas Faber at Inside Out was quite adamant that uh, we should not pursue things and move forward uh, trying to put something together that we think would be most best received. Uh, that the the best thing we could do, the most commercial thing we could do was something uncommercial. So uh, we were quite comfortable doing that and, uh, and really behind the idea. And uh, and also it, it goes hand in hand with the whole premise and what I would have been saying as well, and it being a true and honest portrayal of who we are and an authentic offering. And we're not trying to make sure that things are going to fit into a radio format. Yeah. Plus, you know, if you want to get your concept out there, you don't want to put part eight of the concept out there first, right? I suppose. Well, there's that too. Uh, that a good point. I mean, the 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 singles that we've released uh, aren't in order, uh, mm -hmm. so uh, it was kind of a coincidence that a molecule yeah. was first. Uh, that being said, it's it's 
it's the only place it could go in the album. Yeah. Uh, really. Um, <laughs> it was the right place for it to be, but kind of a coincidence, uh, a, a happy coincidence, I should say, uh, that it's the self-titled track and the opening track and the first single and all. Yeah. The architect, the title track, tell me about the, the atmospheric part with the, the spoken words and the echoey effects. things we like to do is juxtapose uh so uh, in our arrangement concepts uh those that the middle part worked quite well because the rest of the the song is is quite intense and uh riffy and heavy so it was a perfect opportunity to break it down and uh atmospherically uh, use some acoustic guitar and that that uh, that piece of acoustic guitar is something that uh, had actually been around for many, many, many years uh, that's never found a home and it just fit perfectly in there. So that uh, spawned the part and it was a good opportunity for uh, us to also express uh, the inner dialogue of our character uh, as a child. Mm. And so as I do my spoken word in there, it's, it's uh going flashing through thoughts of uh, formative statements that have been said and uh, things that have had a heavy impact on our character's uh, development into a young adult. Got it. So when uh, Mastermind comes along at track four, this is the third single and the second longest song, eight and a half minutes. So two of the longest songs end up being uh, pre-released. I don't know if you call them singles anymore. They're released it, pre-release tracks. Um, yeah, is, videos. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> is this the part where he sort of comes to his uh, his full power? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I'd say full power uh, at this at that point, and uh, and the yeah the, the full darkness of of the his regime uh, is felt at that point. Yeah, there is a sense that he's in control of everything. Haha. <laughs> <laughs>
the next one I want to talk about is the turn, a very interesting song. It, it, tell me a little bit about this bits of bone vocal section. It's it's uh, it's uh, an interesting. Yeah, this is uh, that I could take credit for that one, and the, you know I got question marks from everybody who heard that. <laughs> I, that came from uh, some free poetic writing. Uh, I tend to write things in a poetic kind of format, uh, and then sometimes we can use that and transform it lyrically and such. At that moment, we were looking for the character in the shadows, the darkness, uh, toiling over his, you know, misfortune. And at this point, our character has been notified that um, he has a terminal illness. And so it's his descent into madness. Mm. Uh, it's really that he's not accepted the situation. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And uh, just going, just expressing maddened thoughts uh, that uh, are perhaps um, coming from fragments of other dimensions. The, uh, the thing I wrote down for that song was darkness. And then the thing I wrote down for the next song awaken is, is that it brings the light back into the album after the darkness of the turn. Are we now starting to get to that sort of not the final solution or the final uh, resolution of the story, I should say, but we're starting to turn the corner a little bit here and, and become you know aware that the things that have been going on are not uh, not acceptable or not um, the way that he you know kind of foresaw things when he started out. Absolutely. In fact, uh, sort of th- through through the turn and you know between the turn uh, and uh, awaken. Uh, there is an, an attempt at, to, for him to take his life in our storyline. And with the track Awaken, we have the guardian angel, if you will, uh, uh, or some mysterious force or higher power comes to his assistance in his most dire moment, uh, where he's he's actually decided to leave this world and, and not face things, not to, not to face the things that he's done and feeling sorry for himself. And, and through the song Awaken, he has his, the beginning of his spiritual awakening, mm. and, uh, a sense that there's something greater than himself. The, uh, the song Beyond Belief, which follows that, that is uh, the second single that was pre-released. And to me, this one sounds the most likely candidate to have come from a Simon solo album. It, it's an, uh, a catchy song. It's, it's certainly a, a, mo- a much more obvious single, I guess, if you're, if you're thinking in terms of singles rather than pre-release tracks. I think it's a little bit more obvious uh, to release as a single than the other two. 
yeah, we always felt that way too. And yes, it was originally uh, uh, headed for a solo album, and he largely did uh, uh, write most of those parts. So uh, you're right all on all those points. And uh, yeah, it, it it always felt like it was probably one of the more accessible tunes and and a bit more upbeat, not not dark for mm-hmm. once, and hopeful. So. Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, so we we knew we did want to get it out there, and uh, you know, not to go against what we're saying. We're not trying to be contrived, but it it was what it was. Everybody who'd heard it uh, said it was quite catchy. So you know, we want people to to notice us, and so it was clear that that was uh, on the list to get out there. So we put it at number two. Yeah, and I want to be clear that it, it doesn't sound like it doesn't belong on the album. It it does fit in really well with where it is on the record, but it was. It was that, you know, if you're looking, if you put your, put your, and no one should ever do this, but if you put your record company exec hat on for a minute and you're looking for the single, that seems like a more obvious one than, than the, the other two that came out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but, but, uh, that being said, uh, it's, yeah, we're, we're happy with the balance so far and, uh, we've got, a uh, at least two more singles coming. So there's, good. there's, uh, there's quite a variety. Um, I'm assuming one of those is going to hit the day that the album is released. That's right. Yeah. Do you know which one it is or do you want to say? I think I can say it. it is the uh, album titled the title track, The Architect. Okay, good. Good. That's a good one. Um, I, I think people are really going to like the atmosphere in that one. So um, right on. thanks. So somebody gets this album maybe they buy the cd maybe they just download the the album uh, off uh, itunes or whatever amazon music or whatever and they they sit crank it up listen to it start to finish what do you want the listener to take away from this experience i would like for them to feel that not much time has passed perhaps uh, i'd like them to be entertained i would like them to be happy uh and excited uh, for me, I, ener- uh, music fills me with uh, an energy and excitement when I connect with it. So I'd like to uh, people to walk away with more energy than they had before. Okay, that's uh, that's a, an interesting answer. I, I ask that all the time, and I I always am interested to see what people are going to say. And and that was a, a new one. So thank you for that. <laughs> My pleasure. So you you mentioned it before, if and when. Do you think that these songs may be performed live at some point or have those discussions even taken place yet? Uh, They are uh, taking place. Uh, Everybody involved would like to play live for sure. Uh, We just have to make sure that it's the right uh, logistical situation. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful and very hopeful that it's going to happen. I just can't say when, and uh, we just have to uh, be patient for now. But uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, the demand has to be there, and um, other things have to line up as well. So uh, first things first, I guess. Uh, we'll get the album out, and uh, we've got s- some more promotion to do, and and uh, we'll see where we're at. Yeah. Were there songs that were maybe worked on that didn't quite make it through the process and get on the album? Yes, there's several that didn't make it uh, in various stages of uh of being built up. There's one or two that are, are fairly far along. You know, I'd probably like to, you know, start certain things from scratch, but we've got a good start on a second album already uh, and uh, lots of new, new 
uh, material coming out already um, between us as well. So yeah, it's it won't be too long before we're, we'll be well into our second record. Awesome. That's great news. Kelly Nordstrom, E-Molecule. The album is called The Architect. It comes out February 10th on Inside Out Music. It's, uh, I think it's something that's going to appeal to people who like guitars, people who like keyboards, people who like electronic music, people who like progressive music. I think there's a little bit of something of all of that. It's, uh, it's a really, to me, a, a modern take on progressive rock. And I think that it will appeal to, like I said, everybody that kind of enjoys any or all of those genres. I think it'll, it'll be something that you will, you will like where Kelly, are you guys active online at all? Do you, do you have a website dedicated for eMolecule? Yes, we've got eMoleculeMusic.com and that will take you everywhere. We're on all the usual uh, channels uh, on Facebook at eMolecule.official. Also Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and yeah, we're, we're getting out on some of the other ones too, but the main stuff, we're all there. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Kelly Nordstrom, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you telling me about this record. Hope it does really well for you. It's a very interesting album. I think if folks who have listened to Simon's solo albums in the past, there's a little something in there for you, but it's it's it goes beyond that, I think. This, is, this truly is a collaboration between you, the two of you and, and how your styles kind of gel together. Thanks, Michael. It's been a real pleasure being on the show. Thanks for having me. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.